Hello and welcome to the Talking Indonesia podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Tomsa from La Trobe University. Today we are talking about environmental activism in Indonesia, especially but not only in the popular tourist hotspot of Bali, where plastic pollution has reached dramatic proportions in recent years. Earlier this year, for example, several kilometers of coastline covering beaches in Kuta, Legian and Seminyak were once again temporarily closed to visitors because strong winds and high waves were washing piles of plastic garbage and driftwood ashore. Like the year before, when local authorities declared a garbage emergency, the local government started a massive cleanup operation, but critics say these responses are merely tokenistic. Some activists have therefore resorted to more creative forms of protest against the unfolding environmental catastrophe, including visual art and music. In today's podcast, we talk about these activists, their strategies and goals, as well as the prospects for their protests to reach a wider audience outside Bali. My guest in the studio here in Melbourne is Dr. Edwin Uriens from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute. Edwin has a long-standing interest in the Balinese art and activist scene and has recently published some of his research findings in an article in the journal Continuum. Edwin, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, Dirk. So let's start by referring to a former surfing champion. Um, when I prepared for this podcast, um, I read a little bit about the pollution problems in Bali and I uh, found a statement by the former surfing champion Kelly Slater who back in 2012 said that he was very, very concerned about the levels of pollution on Bali. And he even said that it could soon be impossible to surf there because the pollution on the island was getting so bad. So it's now 2019, seven years on from when Kelly Slater made his statement. And I know that you're not a surfer, so I'm not sure if you can say anything about the um, surfing conditions. But can you share... Kelly State is concerned about the state of the environment. In your view, how bad is it really? I'm, I'm actually a surfer, but only on the internet. Oh, right. okay. And I think it's really interesting you actually refer to sports uh, culture and also the internet or social media in, in providing a form of environmental awareness. Um, because in my research, I'm, I'm precisely looking at the ways in which creativity in popular culture and contemporary art can address those interrelations between environmental destruction and, and social and political dynamics. Like in, in this case, uh, surfing culture, of course, has also its own environmental uh, footprint. Yeah. But I think a positive example, for instance, uh, is an amateur underwater video that received a lot of uh, attention. It circulated both in, in social media and in the mainstream media last year. And that was obviously proven visual evidence uh, and, and I think really created a shock worldwide, including Australia, by the ser seriousness of the pollution, yeah. uh, particularly plastic uh, pollution. And this seriousness is also reflected in, in the work of the local artists. And probably one of the main visual artists we'll be referring back to quite a few times today is Made Muliana Bayak. And tellingly, one of the central concepts behind his work and his activism is what he calls plasticology, which is a contraction of plastic and, and ecology. So it really 
relates to the ecology or the interrelatedness of plastic, nature, society, politics and culture as, as a sad reality and an unavoidable part of, of Balinese life today. At the same time, it's also a point of departure for creativity, critical discussion and, and possibly even, even solution. So it's not, I mean, the artwork, it's not so much about trying to restore some of the authentic beauty of nature or not necessarily even about promoting waste recycling campaigns, but it's more about visualizing and, and problematizing the problem of, of waste as an integral part of, of, of the reality of Bali. And you could even refer to this as a, as a post-natural reality. Yeah. So is it uh, is plastic the, the main environmental concern in Bali or are there other issues as well? Yeah, the issues are, are manifold. So there's air, water and soil uh, pollution. There's beach erosion, uh, reef destruction. It relates to the impact that you mentioned of tourism, overpopulation. What I find interesting and again something that the artists would also refer to is also the environmental issues having impact on, on social cultural dynamics and, and uh, issues of identity, even causing communal tensions or crime. So I think in terms of causes and also the impact, it's really important to look at the whole picture beyond the natural environment as, as such. If we say Plastic pollution is the main issue here. Not all of that plastic that washes up on the beaches in Bali comes from Bali, right? Do you have a sense of how much of the problem is homegrown, like local people not being aware of the um, issues and throwing away garbage, and how much actually comes from elsewhere, be it from other parts of Indonesia or from even from other countries? Yeah, it's, it's both. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on the island because of tourism, so... If you think about the population of Bali, it's estimated to be around 4 million people. Uh, the influx of foreign and, and domestic tourists annually might be around 10 million. And this combined with a limited capacity of the government uh, in terms of waste facilities, uh, which fall far behind the, the daily volume of, of garbage in Bali. This in itself also works as an incentive for illegal uh, disposal of rubbish. Um, Lack of education is another factor. So Bayak, the artist I referred to before, he explained that Balinese society seems to lack a, a concept of recycling. So he, for instance, refers to traditional ways of, of wrapping food in banana leaves. After use, they are left to decompose at a small garbage pit at the backyard of a family home. But he says, unfortunately, this habit of, of throwing away wrappings in the open is now also applied to, to modern materials such as plastic and styrofoam. Uh, and obviously, these modern uh, materials, they take much longer to de decompose. Mm -hmm. um, what is the government doing now to address these yep. issues? Um, I said in my introduction that activists have criticized the efforts by the government to sort of tackle these problems as tokenistic. Do, yep. Can you give us an idea of what um, kind of programs or initiatives yep. are in place? Yeah, I think now it's not as if governments are unaware of the problem and also it's not as if they are not prepared to do anything. And there's also examples of exchange of ideas and collaboration between artists, activists and, and local governments. Uh, sticking to the example of Bali, for instance, the Balinese government has been actively involved in, in campaigns such as the Bali Green Province mm -hmm. uh, with three uh, main focus points. The Green culture, green economy, and clean and green. 
So green culture basically is about efforts to preserve and develop cultural values, uh, local wisdom, religious activities relating to the environment, uh, something that also comes up in the work of the artist. Uh, with the economy, it's more about local business initiatives. And the last one, the clean and green, it's about integrating these programs in government, private and public development uh, sectors. So I think from a policy point of view, this all makes sense, uh, but as with other policies in Indonesia, it's, it's really about the implementation. And there, there is a fundamental gap between the waste reduction plans and uh, the actual practices. Um, hmm, hmm. And at the same time, the pressure is on, I think, to continuously develop the tourism facilities, right? Yeah. And one project that has been in the spotlight quite a bit in recent years is the reclamation project in Benoa Bay, in southeast of Bali. On the one hand, The government is facing the pressure from the community to do something about the pollution. On the other hand, they need to provide jobs and they need to expand, or they feel they need to expand uh, the tourism industry. So given that this Benoa Bay reclamation project is very controversial, also given that it is one of many reclamation projects in Indonesia at the moment, can you just give us a bit of background about that, what the project was all about and what kind of reaction it uh, prompted from the local community? This project was about the reclamation of more than 800 hectares of land from the bay um, for the building of hotels, uh, villas, apartments, even a Disney-style uh, entertainment park and also a Formula One racing circuit. So this was a plan that was issued in 2011. Um, well, no, I, I have to say initially actually under uh, Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono, this was actually meant as a conservation area. So he issued a, a degree for protecting the area as, as a conservation area. However, only a few weeks before the inauguration of the current president, Jokowi Dodo, he turned over his earlier decision with a new decree that redesignated this Benoa Bay uh, euphemistically as a revitalization area. So Yudhoyono overturned his own decree. Yes. Yeah. And this decree received full support from the Balinese governor at the time, and it opened new opportunities for the development plans of uh, Tirtabahana Bali International, which is owned by one of Indonesia's most powerful project developers, uh, Tommy Winata. The governor himself referred to the necessity of, of new land for, for tourism development, uh, as you mentioned, job creation. But on the other side, of course, you have the activists and the artists who have pointed to even more pressure on the natural economic and, and sociocultural dependence of, of already highly stressed water system uh, in Bali. Mm. Can you give us a sense of what the reaction looked like? Like, what did people, how did they react? What did they do to mobilize um, protests? Yeah, there's a very broad protest movement. So we refer to the visual artists and the musicians, but uh, also local religious leaders and politicians, farmers, uh, fishermen, NGOs, community groups. They've been involved in this and they have organized themselves under the banner of For Bali which stands for Forum Bali Tolak Reklamasi, the Balinese Forum for the Rejection of the Reclamation, coordinated by yeah, quite a charismatic figure who's referred to as Che Gendovara. His, his real name is uh, Swardana. Uh, he is a lawyer and also used to be a, a board member of uh, Indonesia's main environmental NGO, uh, WALHI. Okay. 
Yeah, what's interesting about this movement, apart from its broad constituency and also its endurance, is uh, is really the foundational role of, of music, uh, performing arts, visual arts, in sending out the message. And, and the media range from, from paintings, installations, performance, uh, music concerts, to banners and posters and T-shirts. Social media, of course, internet applications. Uh, we referred to the role of social media before. And you mentioned that there are a very diverse range of groups involved under this sort of umbrella organization. At the same time, there are other reclamation projects in other parts of Indonesia as well. Is there coordination of what to do, what works best, or how perhaps the developers and the governments can be confronted most effectively? Yeah, I think if it comes to the environmental movement in Bali, there is this, this coordination with other parts of Indonesia. It's also uh, quite cosmopolitan. For instance, Mademiliana Bayak himself, one of the main collaboration partners for him is uh, the international schools uh, in Bali. Mm-hmm. Um, so he works with, uh, with the school kids as well as with the, the parents. Uh, so he lets them make art objects, art projects from the plastic waste. So that's a, a way of engagement with, with the international community. There's also a musical festival specifically referring to waste problems in Bali, which is a collaboration between local artists and uh, the French Cultural uh, Institute, I believe. But the impression I received from this specific issue of the Tolak Reclamasi, I believe it is quite firmly local. And the initiator seems to be aware that participation by outsiders would easily feed into suspicion and accusation of, of uh, this movement being driven by the agenda of, of outsiders, uh, foreign sponsors, foreign interests. And interestingly, when I was doing the research, some of the participants, you know, they they really welcomed me to, to do the research and, 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 and fed me with all sorts of, of information. At the same time, at least one of them, he explicitly stated that I should not consider becoming an active member of the movement myself. Mm-hmm. Also, an interesting statement by Mademiliana Bayek was that he believed that For artists who address environmental issues, it's actually impossible to do so without becoming a member. So he, for him, art and activism are one. They can't be separated from each other. And he also sees it as a responsibility to the next generation. Uh, He's got a son. He he does collaborative work with his son. And he wants to show him the, the good example. And that's not only about the art as such, but it's also about the activism as well. Mm. Okay, interesting. Okay, so what are the prospects for success? Are you aware of any modifications or concessions that have been made to the plans for the reclamation in Benoa Bay in particular? Yeah, so the activist movement did have its its impact. Uh, for instance, in, in August 2018, the project developer was forced to stall its plans because they failed to receive the required support from the Indonesian Ministry of Environment and Forestry before its um, building location permit expired at that time. So, uh, of course, you know, things can rapidly change, but at least at that point in time, that was a major success story. And, yeah, moving perhaps to some environmental problems and also activist artist uh, activity elsewhere. There have been some other success stories from West Java, for instance, including the protection of a city forest in Bandung. And also what's going on right now, efforts to to clean the, the Chitarum River, which is commonly dubbed the most polluted river in the world. 
And this is also very much driven by local artists such as uh, Tisna Sanjaya. And they have received support from uh, the governor of West Java as well as the, the military. So uh, the military have their posts along the Chitarum River and they are involved in, in daily cleaning activities and also monitoring what's going on in, in terms of uh, garbage disposal. And actually, when I was in Indonesia last year with, with Tisna Sanjaya, with the local artist, we went on a boat trip on the Chitarum, facilitated by one of those uh, local military posts. And it was interesting to see the dynamics of, of what was going on because it's, it's, it's very, obviously, it's, it's a very difficult negotiation process between all these different actors involved, the governor, the military, the artists, the local uh, population. So it's not easy, but it's high on the agenda. And yeah, I think in general, what often works best at the level of local government and, and business and also to convince the military is, is when there seem to be opportunities to incorporate aspects of the activist cause into urban renewal programs, promotion of new forms of tourism, including eco-tourism, and also further expansion of the, of the booming creative industry. So uh, in, in short, yeah, negotiation, collaboration is possible. At the same time, the risk of co-optation of the activist cause remains there as well. So, Yeah, your research focuses very much on the artist component within this activist movement. And I think you said earlier on that activism and art is part of the same thing, basically. Where do you think that sort of comes from? Um, why do you think artists are so engaged in this environmental protest movement? Is it any different, for example, from artist engagement in activism for human rights? Mm -hmm. Is there a specific tradition within the Indonesian art scene that links them to environmental concerns? Yeah, I think there's there's various historical reasons. There is traditionally a very strong link between art, religion, society, politics. And we can also look at the art historical context of, of social engagement in, in contemporary art. So if you go to the 50s and 60s, for instance, there was the People's Culture Institute or, or LECRA, informally affiliated to the Indonesian Communist Party uh, with social engagement high on the agenda. In the 1970s, there was the new art movement, or the Gerakan Sinirupa Baru, which also tried to bring back social engagement in art under the repressive conditions of the, of the new order. And in the 1990s, some other examples, someone who is still very active uh, today, Muljono, a multimedia artist activist. He worked together with uh, someone like uh, Semsa Sian, and also the poet uh, Richie Tukul, um, who uh, went, you know, missing in, in 98. And, and so they try to strengthen the reach of their activism by building their own network. And interestingly, when we refer back to Mulyon, he's actually also the one who initiated the first, arguably the first environment focused contemporary art exhibition in Indonesia in 1985. Uh, so uh, here we have some, some historical examples that clearly have strengthened this drive to activism in, in contemporary art today. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. In creating their artworks, is their main aim to simply express their concerns about the environment or do they have a broader agenda to educate people about the problems, to raise awareness? 
Yeah, interestingly, in contemporary art discourse and also the study today, uh, there's this notion of, of artivism and artifice, so contraction of, of artist and activism. Uh, and I think it Although they themselves may not use this this label uh, at all, but I think it nicely sums up, you know, the the very close interrelation uh, between the two. So there's really no art without the activism, and no activism without the art. But if we would compare it with other forms of art, I think it's really meant to not just to have an an, an audience, you know, can, con- contemplating about an artwork in in a, in a gallery or a museum, but it's brought out into the open. And it's really meant to instigate action from the audience as well. Uh, nowadays, there's also all sorts of new media um, that are involved, such as social media, internet, mobile phone applications, uh, which help with spreading the activist cause, but also have their own impact on, on art production, art distribution, uh, art appreciation. And I mean, there's... In that sense, it probably what's happening in Bali and other places in Indonesia, it also compares to some of the movements that are better known at, at a global level. So there's, you know, the, the famous Russian feminist punk rock uh, collective uh, Pussy Riot, for instance. Mm. We've seen various forms of creative visuality in the Arab Spring uh, movement. Because of that, there's even yeah some people who refer to artivism as the first new art movement of the 21st century. But I think going back to your previous question, uh, we see that some of this has been happening in Indonesia for, for quite a while. There's the um, historical precedence. There's the... Um, uh, we could also go back to the avant-garde movement from the 60s or perhaps even, you know, to the 1920s. So... Um, yeah, the new dyna- dynamics and the new media, they help. Uh, but when it comes to social engagement in art, of course, that's been there, especially in Indonesia, that's been there for, for quite a while. Mm. Yeah. Can we perhaps conclude this conversation with a sort of look at the responses to this uh, from the community? The examples, the comparative examples that you mentioned from other parts in the world, uh, some of these have reached a global audience. Some of these have grown into really transnational big movements, right? And arguably the environmental movement as such is not localized, right? But if we look at the local impact that these artists are having with their engagement, I mean, who responds to them? I would anticipate that the impact of art is limited to a relatively small group of people who are responsive to art, who are engaged with art. But how do these activists reach a broader audience so that they can actually have a bigger impact for the environment? Yeah, so, yeah, perhaps a few examples with the For Bali movement. And for instance, uh, the logo, the design uh, that was made by someone uh, based in in Jogja. I mean, this was a professional artist. But what we see in the mass demonstrations uh, on on the street, uh, there's actually also all sorts of amateur banners and images and text involved. And they refer to this as, as poster actions. And I think this helps with, you know, bringing out the issue literally out out, out on the streets, in front of the government buildings, uh, within eyesight of, of the politicians, the policymakers. Um, so these media are much more accessible than more conventional media of, 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 of art. Arguably also less prone to censorship or banning. And what critics and artists have referred to what these these uh, more common media and, and actions do is 
not just to bring out the issue, to bring it out in, into the open, but also, for instance, visibly explaining some of the jargon of, of the legislation against uh, surrounding land reclamation, for instance. So by having text and, and images, it, you know, it publicizes the message, uh, the issue to a broader audience, but also in a, in a clearer, uh, easier to understand visual language. And by having these actions, yeah, also probably one thing that's interesting to highlight, some of them have mentioned that it helps to deconstruct this notion of Bali as a paradise and also this notion of Balinese peacefulness, which in itself has held back people from going out and, and taking action. And yeah, as I mentioned, uh, one other strategy, I think of a very successful strategy is to reach out to the new generation, uh, to go to schools, have these art projects with, uh, with children, because that raises the awareness from a very early stage. Um, and also, yeah, to also here in, in these uh, initiatives to, to make it a very uh, comprehensive approach. So uh, to talk about the environment, um, in, in, a, in the broader perspective of, of society, cultural identity, uh, politics. I think th those are really uh, important initiatives. Yeah, and it's, it's great to hear that they had the success last year, that at least the process for the reclamation process was stalled for the moment. So, yeah, thanks very much for these insights, Edwin. Yeah, you're welcome. So My pleasure. That was Edwin Juriens from the Asia Institute here at the University of Melbourne, speaking with Dirk Tomsa on the Talking Indonesia podcast. Please join us again on the 28th of February for the next episode of this podcast. You can find the entire archive of the Talking Indonesia podcast at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, or you can subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for listening and till next time.